Kev, welcome in to the Ramon Foster Show, man. I've been promising to bring you on even before you knew I was going to bring you on. Um, and I just want to let everybody know, Kev said this is the last one. After this one, don't ask for any interview requests. He did this because it was me. <laughs> That's the only reason I got him on here, man. So with that being said, Kev, welcome in. Thank you, Ramon. Always good to catch up with you. You know that. No doubt about it, man. So, Kev, we'll start off with it. It'll be super light. I just got to ask you, why now? Why pull out now, Kev? You know what? We've been um, we've been talking about this the last few years, and, and Art, Mr. Rooney's been very um, cooperative and letting me go about this year to year. And I think, you know, we can only make commitments for year to year because I want to make sure that if I was doing this, it was the right thing for everybody. Right. And we just felt, you know, from a family standpoint, it's the right time to step aside. I feel good about where the where the franchise is and where they'll continue to grow from at this point. So it's just, we just felt it was the right time. That's interesting that, you know, you, you feel like that you were at a year to year point too, because it's players. I think, you know, it too, you see it on players when they get to that point, they start to get older. It's some that'll be very just hard headed about when it is time to step out. But even as a, as a GM, as an executive, Kev, you had that mindset too. Like you knew the door was more closed than it was open. Yeah, you know, I can't I can't talk about what you guys go through. I've only witnessed it from from outside of your realm where, you know, where your physical abilities start to decline. And that's just an uh, aging for professional athletes. And, and you guys respect that and understand that and regret it. But, you know, in our profession, it's it, it just becomes I don't want to say it becomes routine. It just becomes. Um, it just becomes time from physical travel, time away, mm-hmm. uh, children, grandchildren, so on and so forth. So, you know, we all we all face that 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 inevitable point in our lives. And sometimes we just have to move on and make whatever's next the right move. But I always uh, tell people, you know, it's commendable when you know it's time to like I knew Kev like, OK, I get one. I can probably get two more. But when the time came, I was like, yeah. It's time. I, and I felt like a weight of just, you know, was was pulled off of my shoulders after I got off that phone call with y'all. And I was just like, wow. You know, and I just had the question of like, I really did 11 years and, you know, pretty much walked out on my own terms. And that's what you're doing. Like, are you at that point too? like, have you had that breath of just like, wow, I, I did it. Yeah. I mean, we're comfortable with where we are. And yeah. I haven't experienced the other side yet. And it's the same thing we talked about with you guys. Um, you know, you're not going to miss um, at this point in time because that spring, that was for the younger guys and all that. It's when you got into training camp. And even though you guys didn't always love training camp, it was still a part of your routine. It was the start of that next year. So none of us know how we feel until that next step comes up and you're and you're not a part of it. So... I can't answer what it'll be like. I'm just, like I said, at this point, we're great. I'll tell you this, Kev. The first rodeo around, when I knew it was late July and it's report time, I was like, yes, I ain't got to deal with none of this. Sweaty stuff. And it was COVID testing, too. I was done, Kev. <laughs> yeah, but I think once the ball kicked off in that real football, you were like, oh, man. I, I, I was. I, I have admitted that. 
Uh, I'll tell anybody the 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 best part of playing, not the best part. You love all, even the ups and downs, the crazy stuff. But when it's the opportunity to walk out of that that tunnel with your guys doing the pregame warm up, then you walk back in, and then it's game time. Like that first sit down on that bench after the national anthem is done. That's the part right there where I miss, and I'm I'm, I'm sure everybody probably feels that. Camp is fine. I enjoy Latrobe, you know, but um, that's the part you're right that kind of hits you at the end. You're like, it's it's pretty much over at that point. Um, are are there any aspects of of that in camp that you saw it maybe last year, just into COVID, that you were just like, man, I kind of miss Latrobe, but you guys have decided to go back now. Yeah, you know, um, training camp at, at Heinz Field was it was actually nicer for the players. They had bigger rooms, they had more space, um, but it wasn't it wasn't training camp. It wasn't a growing kind of environment where, you know, you guys would sit outside outside of uh, Benedict, you know, yeah. or outside of Rooney Hall and, and just sit there and talk before your meetings and. You know, you learned about a defensive guy and the defensive guys learned about you. And it was just a little team bonding thing. And I think that stuff is so critical in the, in the development and the um, growth of a team. I think we missed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the guys got to go home and, you know, be with their families. And that was nice, but it wasn't. I, I think we missed some of that team building. And it's, you know, that that atmosphere is more, you. it's less and less, you know, around the league. But I think it's still a very valuable point, uh, part of this whole thing. We had that conversation, I think, last week sometime about people, you know, asking me about Latrobe. And I was just like, there is no other place that's like it. I think the Cowboys go away. Um, there may be one or two other squads, but for the most part, we're one of the few that actually have it to where the fan experience has been awesome. The idea that you got to put on a performance every single day when you're practicing was that always a thought when it came down to going to Latrobe and just having the guys do camp there, get away from the city, have them be around each other, and it's just pure football? Yeah, beyond that, I mean, the football part was, because I think you guys enjoyed that team kind of game day setting at, at no at no, at no field where it was like, oh, we're practicing in front of three, 5,000 people, and they were enjoying it, and they were revving you up for whatever you could get. Um, at that point, there's no question about that. Plus, for our fans, you know, tickets to Steeler games are pretty tough to get. So it gives our fans, if they're not season ticket holders, a chance to be up close and personal with you guys. And I think that that's a very, very big part of it. Yeah, I figured that was the case, too. And that's what I've always kind of said. Like, it's not just being there for camp and getting better. It's for everybody to get that experience. And people take vacations for that. One thing, like you said, going out there and realizing that the crowd is going to be there every single day, that adds pressure. Did you know that was a component of what Latrobe was also, Kev? I think it added a maybe pressure for the younger guys, but I think it added – it looked like it added a uh, – a little bit of excitement for you guys, you know, just to break that routine. You know, when you're practicing on air with, you know, just your teammates and no fans, it's kind of a, there's no response to a great play other than maybe, you know, the offense cheering for the offense or defense, defense. Whereas, you know what a live stadium's like. And when you get that response, I'm sure it had to drive you to make the next play. 
It did. And I enjoyed it because you know how I was in those situations. You get your chance to get your rocks off if the crowd is there, too. But uh, I knew there was a, a competitive component of why we were out there, aside from the history and everything else, too. But uh, Kev, we're going to take a break real quick. We'll be right back, man. I got some stuff I want to ask you, Kev. It's pretty light, but we'll keep it going. All right. So we're back. Got Kevin Colbert here, GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Kev, in your presser, uh, your last press that you did with Coach Tomlin at the end of the year after the draft and everything, you said when we got here, there were four. And you added two to it also. I looked at that because I know you're a little bit different. I know getting two Super Bowls, most people don't get one. But I took it as if you would have, have liked to match four you would have loved to have gotten eight is that where you would have been hey you know we all we you know joe green taught us that ramon um no matter what you do if you want to be great do it again and it's something that always always drove us it's great to be where we are but we want to do more and that that never goes away um you know the 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 sad part is, is when we don't get it done for everybody to plays for us and that 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 hurts more than anything because you're on that side of it, and I, you know, I I I feel for you guys that didn't get it because it's so special, and it wasn't from a lack of effort. It was just we didn't get it done, yeah. and that part drives me crazy. I never felt so bad as Flozell Adams came in for the year when we played down in Dallas, and unfortunately Green Bay beat us, and I just re- I knew that was Flo's last game, and it was in Dallas, and to see him sitting in that locker room i i don't forget that that's that's part of you that, that you know doesn't go away so yeah we're disappointed that there there weren't more we'll look back and be proud of um but there's also part of you that wishes you had done more i i know and that's what i kind of felt because i i tell people all the time it's like y'all y'all think kev is just this guy that's very chill and laid back i was like but the competitive edge it comes out all the time. And you told me that. He was like, Mon, I wish we could have gotten you one. Ben said that also because the expectation of it all. Um, but with that being said of, of, of chasing rings and getting rings, the, you mentioned Joe Green. He's a Hall of Fame guy. And to run across guys like him, Lynn Swan, you know, of the older era. But also the guys that you helped bring in. The Hall of Fame caliber type guys, I think Ben will end up being one. Troy just made it in. Um, we got to look at the idea. Hines potentially be in at some point. And Marquise is a guy. You got TJ as a guy. We can continue to Cam Hayward as a guy. Where do you find the, I guess, the criteria to go get these type of dudes? Ben was a top 15 guy, but the rest of them were down the line a little bit. How do you pinpoint that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you don't go into it looking for Hall of Famers. You go into it looking for good football players that, that can maybe get better. And, you know, the players make themselves into Hall of Famers. We don't draft Hall of Famers. They To get where those folks are, I mean, they put in a ton of work, a ton of sacrifice, and they made themselves into that player. We just identify a talent that this guy can maybe help us win a game, win a win a championship but they they make themselves hall of famers um so to that point i always tell people one of the i guess the pivotal moments of our offensive line room the the group that i was with after the willie and trey and max the super bowl crew after that group right there calf 
Uh, you guys drafted Marquise. And we went to that Super Bowl in Dallas with Marquise also. He was one of the main reasons. But I'll never forget when he came in, the attitude of just him and what it changed. Like, Coogs was a coach at the time. And he walked in and told us, you guys are awesome. You're right here. Eye level is where he was. That's great. For the spring, he was like, but Marquise is right here. <laughs> and, and from that point, I didn't take offense to it because I'm, you know, that was, I took it as a challenge. Well, what do I need to do to get there? You know, it's where I was. But when y'all draft a guy like him as vocal as he was, and I know you had to try to reel him in or have me reel him in, but how do you find, that, you know, the, the specialness and, and what that was and what our room and, and, and group turned into? Yeah, I mean, you know, Marquise was just that guy. You could tell that um, no matter where he was, he was going to be that leader. And, you know, he came from a great Florida program, a great Florida team, um, but he was that hidden behind the scenes leader. Now, you know, and he'd, he'd, pill, he'd put, it, pick out when he had to be in the forefront. But most of the time he led from he led from behind, but in a very succinct way where you knew you knew what was what. And um, he, that stuff it just existed within Marquise. Um, you could see it when he was amongst those Florida guys and, they, and it continued here. Yeah. Um, and it showed. So and the other side of it is I always brag on us on, you know, what you do on our show here in Nashville that I do. And um, one thing that's always been been very clear is the ability to find like free agent guys. And one in particular I'll ask you about is Alejandro. I know Munch had a play in it, but how in the heck do you find a guy that was a former veteran Army Ranger to get him to play offensive line? Well, you know, the story with Al was he was a defensive lineman with Philadelphia. Um, and Coach always talks about who's that big dude over there with Philly. And, you know, the pro guys, Brandon Hunt and Dave Pettit and Dan Colbert, they, they identified him as a defensive lineman, talked about him. And when Philly cut him, we brought him over for a workout. They cut him a week before the end of the preseason. Um and when we worked him out as a defensive lineman, he did probably three drills, and we said, all right, flip. And then Munch did some offensive line work with him. It was like it was almost natural for him to do it. We, you know, we signed him after um, after training camp that year. We added him, and he needed a full year on the practice squad. And then Al made himself into a starting left tackle that became a pro bowler. And that was, again, you can identify the individual talents, but Al's work ethic and intelligence and toughness made him into, a you know, an NFL starter. No doubt about it. So speaking of undrafted, it'd be remiss, Kev, I didn't ask you about mine. So <laughs> what's crazy is we've joked about it. You and I have had those conversations. I pretty much probably talked to everybody in the building when it came down to, you know, how the hell did I go undrafted? You know, it was just one of those things. And after looking back, uh, Mark actually sent me my card. And you guys actually had me as a, what was a three to five? I think that's what it was on the card. Um, yep. What 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 actually transpired? Because the day I walked in, everybody to a T that was anybody, and from the weight room to the training staff was like, Ramon, you can make it here. And I'm like, what the hell happened at the draft then? <laughs> but you did make it. I and did. I, to your credit, Ramon, when you were coming out of Tennessee, you know, in the old schematic, you know, you guys played strong and weak. Yep. Played right tackle, left tackle. You played right guard, left guard. It depended on the the time of the year and, and the sequence and everything. But you had four 
NFL positions that we could reference. Now, you know, I'd have to go back and look at how many snaps per position, but your ability to do that um, was very attractive. Now, you know, you didn't have a great workout. I didn't. I caught the flu and that didn't matter. (laughs) Because you only get that one crack, right? Yeah. um, You know, you made it and you played. Like you said, you got in 11 years. And what we always do, and I keep the scouts on their toes, I say, hey, don't tell me about we found this free agent. If a guy makes it and plays like you, like Willie Parker, like James Harrison, we missed something. And you know what I mean? We should have identified whatever. We didn't scout you good enough. I don't I don't give us credit for finding guys. We, we overlook guys that happen to come in and make the team. That's interesting. That's a very fair take right there. Uh, and in that same sense. I saw I read an article recently. It was um, the old coach GM. You know, you speak about guys he missed or guys he wish he had a take. And, and while he was in Indianapolis, he said he wished he would have taken Teddy Bruschi. Is there anybody that was on your radar that you was just like, yep, we were that close to getting him. And I didn't take him. That turned out to be a very good player. Oh, I mean, there's players all throughout the league that you don't get an opportunity to draft or, you know, they get drafted after you take somebody. And that that's just going to happen. Um, and, of course, my first draft, Tom Brady went in the sixth round. And, you know, we weren't fortunate enough to be the team that took Tom. You know, that one will live with us because we're still chasing Tom Brady today. Yeah, we are, Kevin. It broke today that he's about to get $20 million a year to call TV games. So we'll forever see him. That's it. <laughs> uh, the, the other side of it, though, Kev, is why I, I tell people when you come down from the press box on game day and you're on that sideline and you get fired up, I don't think they've ever seen that part. Um, but the, the, the idea that I've seen you care about players man and you know it's a group of guys that you can always like as young as marquise was you were all about that um martavis is a guy that you i know you cared about as far as his growth and development it's been so many guys that come through a well you know that that have similar situations in a business of playing a game why do you care so much Kev? well i mean to me it's not a business um Honestly, uh, you know, we all were very fortunate to work at this level, but it it wasn't about being a business. It was about trying to win a game and be part of that. Um, You know, I had no talent to be down on that field, and I just love being around, you know, you get a little tight up in a box and you can go down there and try to be part of it without, you know, getting in the way and trying to stay out of it, and it was it was enjoyable. It really was. And I just, I just love being down there around the competition, but uh, honestly, I never looked at this as a business. I mean, it was about winning and losing and being part of that. That's awesome. Well, Kev, that'll wrap up our second segment. We'll finish up with a Hey Moan that I think is a very fair question for you. All right. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, and this is our Hey Moan segment, and this is one I think is pretty cool, Kev. It was a bunch of questions that came in for you, but I decided to just do my format with you because you're my guy. But this one is very fair. Uh, regarding your uh, time as GM, what was one of your hardest moments and what was one of your highest moments, Kev? You know, when you win the Super Bowls, that's obviously... a uh, <laughs> You know, the ultimate, but the the lowest moment was what I referenced before when we lost that Super Bowl uh, 
to Green Bay and Green Bay beat us that day. And it's, you know, when you're on the wrong side of the confetti, you never forget that. Um, the highest moment, I, I can't take away from the two Super Bowls. I think those are a given. But, you know, when we beat Denver to get to that first one that we were involved with, I, I was like, that was kind of like, almost like, wow, this this can really happen type moment because mm-hmm. you fight and fight and fight. And we had, we had lost a couple of those games um, previous to that. And that was part, that, that drove you crazy when you lost. And when you finally got over that hump, that was a huge lift. And, you know, I knew... I had a real good feeling we were going to be able to finish it. And fortunately, we did that year. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's very interesting. I, I think my lowest moment probably was that Super Bowl, too. And you know what? Um, the expectation of playing in Pittsburgh is win a division, win AFC, and then win the Super Bowl. As I've been a retired now, I realized that's not the case for every organization. Where did that standard actually come from also, Kev? Because I feel like I I was a little naive to it and honestly a little cocky every single year when it came down to starting the season. Yeah, I mean, that that was something that that goes back to really the inception of the franchise. Of course, when they hired Coach Noel and Art Rooney Jr. and and Mr. Rooney and and Bill Nunn and they, they built that team by drafting the Joe Greens and the Lynn Swans and the Jack Lamberts and the Francos and the Terry Bradshaws. And they built that standard, hey, you know, four out of six has never been duplicated. Uh, so, you know, coming in that, hey, guys, you can talk about winning a game or winning a division and making the playoffs. That's 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 the minimum because if you don't make the playoffs, you can't qualify for a Super Bowl. So we always – we understood that. And you walk past those same trophies that I did every day. Um, nothing else matters. And once you win it, 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 it rises and it becomes more intense. And you experienced that. And it, it was something that, again, we didn't get done for you. Um, and we got to live with that. But you understood the expectations and they'll never change. And, and the other part, too, that I think is very unique to Pittsburgh is year after year, except for maybe the Patriots, teams are always changing coaches. How do you go from one coward to Tomlin? Like, what was the similarities or were they just completely different for what the teams needed at the time? As far as changing head coaches, what is it, three in the last 30 plus years? Yeah, actually more than that since 1969. So. <laughs> yeah, I was a little off on my math, Kev. Yeah, that's all right. But he... um you know, the, the, the consistency and the stability of the Rooney family and the organization is the that's the that's the part that's set in stone. Um, and Coach Noel, Coach Cower, and Coach Tomlin, they were all young defensive coordinators from outside the organization. Can't say that was the pattern or desire, but when you look for one commonality between them all, that was it. And of course they're all Super Bowl champions. So um, again, I think it's that Rooney family. Um, they had criteria that they wanted good people that they thought were good coaches. And when you look for that one common trait, they were all good people that were good coaches, but they were all young defensive coordinators from outside uh, the organization. Um, I told you uh, when I talked to you, I was like, I gave you an A on your draft grade, okay? <laughs> and I know it's not easy to do that. You're going out and um, – I just want to ask you just how did you feel about this class in general, your last class that you want to see represent you also 
when it comes down to, you know, them performing a certain way, you go get a, I don't know if he's hometown kid, but he's local and Kenny Pickett. And then the other kids that you get, man, it was, uh, I thought it was very solid for what the team needed more than anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see where this draft helps. If they help us win a championship, then great. Um, that's the only way you can measure any draft class, any recruiting class, anything of that nature. So, yeah, we were very happy to get a young quarterback, add another young quarterback into the mix. And, you know, we'll see where Kenny can go and if he can become the starter and what he can do for us. And then, of course, we added a couple receivers, another D lineman, you know, another H-back type, another quarterback. Uh, We liked the way the group came together and another inside backer in Mark Robinson. So we'll see, Ramon. We don't know. We never know. No, you guys are always looking for those day one. So we'll see. <laughs> you can explain to your audience what that day one. That day one. That's only for the low, the the the, the low draft kids, and also the undrafted uh, cast. So who is a day one in this free agency class? That, that, that's what camp is for, right? Exactly right. So uh, this last one is personally for me, man. Uh, I always speak about the North, the AFC North. It's huge. It's always competitive. I don't care how good somebody is one year, the next year you better have your head on the swivel. I think no matter how good the AFC West is right now, the North is still going to be that good, or it's always at least three teams that are solid. Why is the AFC North the way it is? And and I feel like you got to go get a type of player that play in the North also. Yeah, I think the North are just it's it's natural rivalries. Um, Pittsburgh and Cleveland goes back decades. Um, Cleveland and Cincinnati, same state. Baltimore and Pittsburgh, Baltimore's really Cleveland once removed. And, you know, obviously they had their success. We had ours. Um, Cleveland and Cincinnati have had the recent successes. So it's tough. It's a tough division because there's no there's no game. It's not a rivalry. And you just look at all the matchups. Um, they all have some significance to them. And that's why it's a tough division to come out of. It is, Kev. Well, we ruled it for a while, man. Um, this will be the conclusion of the show. People will still be asking for more. Uh, but, Kev, I appreciate your time, man. All right. I'd be disappointed if they weren't asking for more. Y'all got more to do, right? No doubt. <laughs>